Welcome to the Lead with Empathy podcast. I am your host, Holly Logan, and here we are going to have meaningful and hopefully some fun conversations about motherhood, parenthood, illness, disease, physical and mental wellness, nutrition, and beyond. And as the title implies, we lead here with empathy. With that said, let's dive into the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. I am bringing you today Verona Angle. I want to first preface this saying I do have a cold in this episode. I'm sorry if my voice is not great. And we had to edit out some of the coughs because I didn't want to reschedule. She's across the pond in London. And let's face it, it's a viral season. If I rescheduled, I could be sick again. Um, So I apologize for that. But I had so much fun talking to Verona. She is a what I would consider a meal planning coach. And I I will put all of her details in the show notes, but I had so much fun talking with her. We actually start off the conversation in a way I never would have guessed. And I told her I love her story. I love how it starts and how it becomes this message and how it becomes how she cares for people and their relationships with food and meal planning and helping them to achieve their goals. You'll love Verona. We share the same sense of humor. So I had a lot of fun with her. Love just connecting with her. I took a lot of notes and I love how she gives little tips and strategies if you're a busy mom or whoever and you just want some strategies for meal planning. Love connecting with her. I don't want to give too much away. Let's jump in and welcome Verona to the podcast. Hi, Verona, and welcome. I've already given my audience an intro, so we'll dive right in. You told me in an email exchange that you love seeing people who have been held back break through the obstacles that have kept them from reaching their true potential and seeing the marginalized break through the struggle, patterns, mindsets, beliefs, that have held them back. What's your background in this space? And is nutrition new to you? Can you speak to these obstacles and how they relate to what you do now as a meal prep and weight loss coach? Thank you, Holly. So good to be here. Absolutely. So my background, especially when it comes to marginalized people, it was children, young people and families. And I think very young on, when I was a child, I I used to be like, oh yeah, I want to be a sweet shop owner. Why? I have no idea. But that was just one of the random things that I wanted to do. But when I actually understood what a career was and what a job was and what it meant, there was something about marginalized children and young people that really drew me. And I don't know if your listeners will remember, what's his name? You are not the father. The test will determine you are not the father. I think his name is Maury Povich. And I remember just like those, you know, Jerry Springer kind of TV kind of shows. That's where that was from. And I was young. I was 18 at the time. And I remember there was a young girl who came on and it it was very prevalent then. And then it's changed now. 13 year olds would come on the stage dressed like they're 18 And then they would really boast that they were sleeping with 26-year-old men, men old enough to be their dads. And I mean, this could go on to another episode, so we'll keep it streamlined. But it really triggered something in me. It started to get me angry. It started to get me upset. I started to get like, well, well, what's going on in the home where this kind of behavior is accepted and allowed? And that's when it was a conversation between myself and another friend of mine at church. And we kind of got into this habit where we were serving and we were helping out at church initially. And then we realized upon seeing that, we realized, right, we need to get qualified and we need to get paid to do this. We need to do this as a profession. And that's how she inspired me and encouraged me to go and get the qualifications. So I became a qualified youth worker. And then my journey started from there, really sewing into young people's lives who came from this background where they thought that this was normal behavior. Now, I didn't work with all types of young people like that. But years on, it got to a point where young people were marginalized. They were silenced. Their voice was silenced because they came from socio or economic backgrounds were all single parent families. Oftentimes the dad wasn't in the home. And so where you've got a parent trying to be mom and dad, 
And I know your listeners are mums as well, so I'm not going to, I don't have children, so I'm not going to touch too much on that. But where you've got one single parent trying to be mum and dad, there is going to be a deficit with the children in terms of how do I live as a man? How do I live as a young man? How do I treat women as a young man? And how do I, as a young woman, accept attention from the opposite sex if I've never been taught that as a young female? So all of that marginalised stuff was something that I was like, no, I need to, I need to just break into this, break into the parents. And I look young. I'm, I'm, I'm 40. I just turned 40 last year. And, well, um, I would not have asked guess that. You're right. <laughs> so I look a lot younger than I am. And so when you've got those kind of ghetto kind of parents and they're telling me, do you have children with the chicken neck and everything going on? It's like, well, how can you tell me to raise my children? And that I'm combating with the children, I'm combating with the parents, mm. but I'm trying to make change in the young people's lives. It was quite hard. But when you get to the point where you can break through that hardness, that outer exterior shell where it's like, oh, I've got to be this person. I've got to have this persona. I've got to do this. I can be bad all by myself. Then that's what makes the difference. I've got scars. I've got scars to prove it that oh, it was it was quite hard working with that. But that's for me, I knew that I could make a difference with that particular set of people. And it's always been the same. In terms of if there's a set of people that's struggling with one specific thing, how can I change that? How can I change them? How can I help them break through the things that they are struggling with? And when it came to nutrition, it very much was my mess was turned into a message because I'm a Christian woman. So my mess was turned into a message, meaning I, from the age of, where was I? Young, from the age of young, we grew up with the same food every single day, tuna and rice or chicken and rice. That's all we had. It was struggle bus meals, like I call it. And that's what we got by on. But when I got to an age where I was able to get to college and over here in the UK, we had this kind of allowance and we had this allowance for low income families and it was £30 a week. It was like £300 a week for me as a 16 year old. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've, hit, I've, hit the, I've hit the jackpot. And that's when I discovered the big yellow arches, the big yellow M. And I had the same food every single day. Chicken sandwich meal, fries and a full fat Coke every day. And that happened from the age of 16, way into my 20s. But that for me was when the whole host of nutrition problems started. So I guess I never would have thought that this conversation would have started with Maury Povich. So congratulations there. You, you shocked me, which is wonderful. But it's interesting because what I just wrote down, I write notes, is so you loved watching these families, worked with these families that are essentially never taught how to work as a unit or work with the opposite sex, etc. And then it sounds like you were never taught how to eat balanced and variety, right? So then what did that turn into when you were given that freedom is fast food? Because it's like this luxurious, appealing type thing. Well, that's how it's marketed to us. And so then, then you didn't know how to control it. Can you speak more to how'd you dive into like, oh, this isn't okay. I can't do this every day. This is not what I want for myself. Were you not feeling good? Where did that story from the Golden Arches, from Maury Povich to the Golden Arches, where did we go next? Where we went next, I used to get entrenched with more projects and the programs, etc. So that's how I came to work with young people and their families. And a part of one of my roles that I did, I actually started to teach young people because they wouldn't know themselves to how to have food, how to eat food, how to eat healthy. But for me, that wasn't, that was just because it was part of my job. It wasn't something that I had a passion for at that stage of my life. So it got to a point where it started to affect my health now. So 10 to, to 10 to 15 years of gut issues, health issues, weight issues, insecurity issues. And for me, because it covered food for me was a band-aid, we'll call it. 
for rejection. And I didn't realize that until I was older. And for me, when you, when I was angry, when I was sad, lonely, unloved, all of those things, the root cause of that, that I know now was rejection, but I didn't know that at the time. So for me, if there was nobody around, if there was nothing for me to do, I'd eat. And I developed an unhealthy relationship or an impersonable relationship with food. So what you should develop with the opposite sex or a friend or a family member, that is what food took the place of. So just to unpack that a bit, the more that I was angry, the more that I ate. So, so crisps, sweets, chips, snacks, candy, all of those things is what I went to. I know what you're thinking when you're saying like you can just mindless eat and not yeah. even go, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Or am I, you, there's just no, the, the lines are blurred. So you're getting to this point. And I'm sure at this point too, now you don't feel good. You're like, I think of all these things that women often complain of, fatigue, bloating, reflux, diarrhea, constipation, whatever it is. And then that starts to control your life. And then mm -hmm. you have to take control of it because you're not living life because you were living by the toilet. So, okay, it, exactly. that's my guess of what where you're going with that. But mm -hmm. go ahead. All right. And so it got to a point where I couldn't eat anything without burning in my throat. Now, I'm I'm from a Caribbean family, so we like heavily seasoned foods. We like spicy foods. We like pepper. We like all of that stuff. So it got to a point where I couldn't eat any of that. And I also couldn't eat any food that didn't have any of that. So what I'm saying here is even if I had spicy food, I'd have a reaction and that reaction would be in my throat. I'd get the burning sensation. It would happen when I had chocolate. It would happen when I had spicy food. It would happen when I had fatty foods. It would happen when I had bland salad. So I got to a point where I was stressed. I was not stressed where I lost the weight, mind you. I was stressed to the point where I kept eating the same food over and over again. That habitual pattern just kept eating the same food, more of the food that made me sick. How does that even make any sense? But that's where I was. I was in that position where I thought I knew better than the doctors. I went to the doctor. I said, doctor, doctor, I've got burning sensation in my throat. So then he did the test and he was like, say, ask. He said, ah, looked in my throat. And then they asked, do you eat a lot of spicy food? I said, yes, doctor. Do you eat a lot of chocolates? I said, yes, doctor. Do you drink a lot of fizzy drinks? Doctor, I do do all of these things. So the doctor said to me, stop drinking those things, Verona, because that is what's making you worse and you need to lose some weight. I said, okay, doctor, next and I actually went and got another opinion. <laughs> when I got another doctor's opinion, three doctors told me the same thing. But because I was in the market, right? <laughs> exactly. How, How dare they? <laughs> I mean, they've been qualified. I'm, and, I mean, I know better, right? But three different doctors told me the same thing. I went to ENT, Ear, Nose and Throat Clinic. They all confirmed the same thing. I had hospital tests. Every doctor said to me, there's nothing wrong. You need to change your diet. You need to lose weight. It got to a point where I had this test where it was called barium swallow. It was horrible. It was horrible. It's just, it's a can of not Coke or your, your best drink that you like. It's just, I don't know what it is, but basically they, they get you to drink it. And then you've got a, you're on an x-ray. I remember being stood up and they're trying to look for things in your throat. Again, they couldn't find anything. So I did years of testing of this same thing. And then it got to a point where I'm like, you know, the doctors are telling me things that they're not, they're not working for me. Also, I had a endoscopy. The endoscopy was one of the worst things I've ever had. I, I struggle with swallowing normal, swallowing normal tablets anyway. But that, you're awake and you're under anesthetic. So I was under anesthetic and I was awake. And the anesthetist had to stop the procedure because he said I was combative and I was fighting him. Well, obviously I would be because if I don't like swallowing tablets, that and I'm half awake, I'm semi-awake. I'm like, I don't want that. Thank you. Anyhow, they managed to see something, see how rebellious I am or was, but they managed to find something. And basically what they found with the little time that they had, they found H. pylori. And H. pylori basically is a bacteria. 
and it can get it from different places. But for me, it happened to be my diet and it lived, it burrowed itself in the gut. And they get concerned about this because it can cause untold issues in your health. One of them Stomach is Stomach ulcers. ulcers. Yeah, ulcers. Right, yeah, yeah ulcers. that's the number yeah. one. Yeah, that's the biggest concern. So that is why they wanted to treat me and they wanted to treat me with, they call it the triple threat, which was antibiotics and PPIs and the worst medication I have ever had. So you'd think after I've gone through all of that, after I've gone through numerous tests, after I know that I'm the heaviest I've ever weighed and I stopped weighing myself, my clothes are digging into my belly and I'd continue to soothe myself. When I look in the, actually, I didn't even look in the mirror. Those years, I didn't look in the mirror. I didn't want to see myself. I didn't want to address how I looked. I didn't want to address the reasons. I just continued to eat over the things. I continued to fight and be combative with the doctors quite literally and physically. And it got to a point where now I know what the issue is. I've got the triple threat medication as they call it. And I had this three times, three times of the same course of medication. And each time they are no joke medication. If you've ever had a course of antibiotic, it isn't fun. It's not fun. And it's not it fun for H. pylori. I'm pretty sure I know what they are. And those specific ones are not fun. Uh, those ones aren't fun with the PPI. It's nope. it's an in, it's an intense protocol for sure. And I went through it three times. It's not about diagnosing or treating here on this podcast. Right. But three, th those three things, that treatment, I went through three times, three separate times. I went through the same treatment. And it's almost like, don't you learn the first time? Because if you have that once, believe me, you will want to change your habits. But I went through it three times. And the last reaction, the last time was the worst reaction that I had. There's like a resiliency there, though, too, for someone who it took you three times. Um, because, maybe it, you know, some people call it stubbornness, which I have a strong oh. streak of that as well. Uh, very strong streak of stubbornness, but I also think it's a little bit of like your own resiliency. And then also, so you get to the point and then what was your, you're at number three. Was there an aha moment? Like, mm, mm, you can't do this anymore. So I think to me that aha moment, the moment of change for me after going through all of that mess, I mean, yeah, I definitely have stubborn, call it my middle name. But for me, the change was the time when I couldn't enjoy foods that my families were enjoying and friends were enjoying because it got to that stage where everything had a reaction. Even, like I say, even if it was bland because they advised to strip away seasonings, all of this stuff, but they never helped me identify the triggers until I had counselling. So for me, those were the two major changes that it got to a point where I literally emotionally hit rock bottom and I couldn't do anything. The PPIs weren't working. Nothing was working. Restricting the foods wasn't working. There was nothing. Going to friend's house and say, would you like some food? I said, no, thank you. Even serving me a bowl of rice. I mean, no, that sounds extreme. But even that was still causing me issues. And I never knew what they were. I never knew, like, is it this? Is it that? Because there was so much confusion. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's not this. Maybe it's not that. And I suffered for 10 years too long. It didn't need to get to the stage that it got to. But the reason it got to the stage that it got to is because the root cause was rejection. And because food in my life played a role that it shouldn't, that's why it had such an attachment or such a hold over me throughout so many years. And the change, and I'm not going to mention what it was. This was before I became a nutrition coach, but the change for me was an actual diet that I wouldn't recommend for anybody to do. But it was one of those quick fixes, one of those quick fad diets, but it was intentional, focused on getting rid of all of those foods that caused me reactions that I was addicted to. Yeah, all of those foods that I was addicted to that had reactions, I had to really be diligent and now get to this stage where I don't want to ever feel like this again. And in fact, the rock bottom for me was I, I don't have children. So I know that when you have an ultra scan, 
the one that I had in my stomach should have been for you to see, oh, how far are you along? But it wasn't. When I had that ultrasound, that was the test where as soon as I left, I cried because I shouldn't be having an ultrasound to see what's wrong with me because I can't control food or I can't control eating. Every single test that I had, they said there was nothing wrong with me. And I, I was at my at that age in my 20s, probably early 30s, where most women, not all, but most women are having this stage of, oh, what is it I'm having to see? Why is your food causing you issues? And I think for me, emotionally, that really did rock me because I had this plan at age 30. I'm going to have my house. I'm going to have one child, but I had neither. And that for me, that for me was the point where I said, no, nah, enough is enough. And it wasn't just food that I addressed. It was why do I keep going to the same foods over and over again? And that's when I had counseling. And that's when I found what the root cause was. So I had to deal with the rejection, which was long. And I had to also deal with learning about foods and learning about what type of foods to put in my body and why. And as I say, I did go to diets, first of all. But then when I became, I was like, this still ain't working. It's still, I'm still kind of, I've come from one end to go to an extreme, another quick fix and, and it's still not working. And then I got to the stage where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, this diet isn't working for me. Nope. Next, I'm going to find something else. No, no, this ain't working for me. No, next. But it was still the form of restriction. It was still the form of you're not allowed to have this because that, or you're not allowed to have this, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. I even got into MLM stuff and it was very predatory how the MLM was structured in terms of if I wasn't losing weight, it was because I'm the problem. It's because you're not doing it right. You're the problem. It's not the products that we're selling. It's you. And it was just lots of restriction. And as you've heard in my story, I'm a little bit stubborn. I'm a little bit rebellious. And that wasn't quite working for me. Instead, it caused more restriction and more restrictive eating and more rules and rigid stuff. And I was like, it's not working for me. This literally, it wasn't working for me. And that's when I sought to become qualified in nutrition coaching. I've talked on this podcast with several people. I am really interested in like generational trauma and getting to the root cause of Health, you know, issues with healthy relationships with food because of trauma, et cetera. And we don't have to go there today because that's it. That is in its own space, a deep conversation. So then you were yo-yo dieting or trying these different diets. Where did you go for nutrition to become a health coach or a nutrition coach? I'm just curious. So over here, we, I didn't find it over here at first, but over here, we've got level four and five, which is just under dietetics. Okay. It's not dietetics, obviously, but it's just under that. You'd have to get a degree to become a dietitian yep. um, and also precision nutrition as well. Oh, OK. So you do. Yeah. So it's same in the United States, like to be a registered dietitian, you have to have at least a graduate undergraduate degree. Yeah. So same yeah. same over there. So you got you sought out resources to become more educated in nutrition. And then were you just like, I need to turn this into a business? It Was it instantly or was it? No, I need to really focus on how I can control not control my relationship with food, I guess, but improve my relationship with food, find a way that feels balanced and incorporate. Now, when I look at your Instagram, you're not eating boring food. You are back to like, it seems anyway, like your fun, your spices, your culture. I think for me, I am, and my friends say the same things. They will always say you're very quite determined when you've got that mindset to just go, you just go. And I think that it was it for me. It's It was literally the same decision that I made one day. You know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to just go and do this particular diet. And I did on a Tuesday and I just decided to throw out all of my foods and I just did that diet until it didn't work. But it is that kind of resolve for me or resolution because I'm like, enough is enough. Because how, how much more do I want to take of this being told you can't eat this, being told you can't eat that, being told you got to eat this? It's confusing. And even now in the nutrition space, I see people talking so much poo-poos that it's like, 
stop. This is why there's so much division and divide in the nutrition space. And it's very similar. The passion is still the same. It's just a different arena that it was for marginalized children, young people and their families. But now it's empowering women who the type A type of woman who is like, you know what, I've got to be perfect in this, 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 but my nutrition falls to the wayside. Because when it came to People Pleasers Express, as I qualified in for so many years, it was a case of I was out there doing everything for everyone else. But when it came to my health, it took the back seat for however many years. And I got to a point where I'm struggling. I can't breathe properly when I'm going up the stairs. I don't even have asthma. It felt like I was having an asthma attack. It felt literally out of my control. And I'm a type A person. And it's not nice when you're a type A person and you've got something out of your control, you feel out of control. You feel like, well, wait, what's happening to me? I don't like the thing that's happening to me. Did you start with yourself or did you like dive in with other people? I'm just interested how someone I've said on here because I've heard from other people were the most qualified to be the person we used to be. So did you have a moment where you were like, oh, I'm now I'm learning in nutrition. I'm taking care of myself. I've done all these things and now I'm going to help other people. Or did it all happen at once? Or was it just, nope, me first? Because you make really good connections. I don't know if you're seeing it because I see the confused look on your face. But what I see is like the Maury Povich obsessed young person who turns it into a, I'm going to help young kids in these marginalized families. And then I don't take care of myself because I care more about others. And then I my health gets to the bottom of the pits. And then I say, okay, that's enough. I need to take care of myself. I take care of myself. And then now it's turned into coaching. Is that been the path for you? Is that correct or no? Like, I want to know where that little tidbit was, where that change was, where Verona said, you just told me that like friends tell you when you go in, you go all in. But if there's someone listening who's like, I'm I'm in the pits and yeah, I'm in the pits and I need to know where to go. What was the mental switch for you? That's where I want to know. Like, what's the mental flip there that all of a sudden I can take care of myself? Does that make sense? So yeah, the pivotal moment for me, the switch for me, was counseling. That was the biggest change for me because I was doing everything to treat the symptom, but I couldn't understand the root cause. No matter what the diet was, different diet, I still had the same problem. I was still addicted to whatever food that I was eating that particular month or the week. But it wasn't until I actually got to the root cause that was for me rejection and That was why I was addicted to food, why I personified food, which is how I describe it. And once I got to that, it was almost like it was only an eight week session. And by week four, I was crying. I was like, no, is it going to be over? No, no, no. You've helped me so much. But it was that that was the catalyst to the rest of the stuff. Because once I understood, right, this is where everything had stemmed from. So I understood that the whole thing was rejection. Then I understood for the food, because I was at this point where everything was triggering me. And then I started the diet. When I got to the point where I stripped away, one, using those foods as a crutch or a coping mechanism, and two, I was actually the intentional about regulating the amounts of the food that I had. That's over an 18 month period. That is when I started to find the change. So it first started off with counseling and working on the root cause, why it started. Then I started on the what. Then I was like, oh, okay. The same way that this counselor helped me understand and unpack this, I want to do this now for other women. And that is where it was literally CBT, cognitive behavior therapist and understanding and digging into. But why do you think that? Why do you think if you stop eating carbohydrates, you're going to automatically stop losing weight? For example, get into the reasons of why you think that. And then is it true? Is it not true? What happens if it is true? 
What are you going to do then? All of that kind of stuff that we did in counseling. And that's now what I do with my clients. So for me, categorically, the change was, right, I need to get in my mind. What I'm talking to myself, the things I'm talking to myself, the things I'm saying to myself about myself. And it's causing a reaction that internally in my body, my body is not liking. And oftentimes I think our body speaks to us, but we're not in tune to hearing what it's saying to us. Where I just want to eat my favorite foods. I just want to do this. I just want to do that. And then we do that. And then we have a reaction like I did, where when somebody tells us, especially as type A people, if they're trying to control our foods that make us feel good, forget about it. Like the doctor that tried to tell me, no, you, 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 but you've got to stop eating this food. For me, because I had personified food at the time, it was like the doctor was saying to me, everything that you use to cope with your stress, it's got to go. And he wasn't given any, or they weren't given any solutions because it was free people. They weren't given any solutions of what else do I need or what else can I use? I suffered years for that until later on that it was accounting that actually got to, this is what the reason is. And now we can develop a plan. And from there, just like I did the, with the conversation with my friend about, right, I love doing this on a voluntary aspect, but now I actually want to do it as a career. It's the same sort of switch that happened. And that's when I got qualified. Cool. That's yeah, that's it's just an amazing story. I love I love your storyline there. And now what I love about your social media as I was checking it out and when we first connected, I love to things. One, it's the meal prep and two, it's the color. Like it's the variety. It's the when you look at your social media and you say this in posts and please, I eat chicken, broccoli, rice, but and we've said this a couple of times in different ways on the podcast that like yours is fun. It's spice. You've you've brought the I'm assuming like the culture back into your food and just the variety. And so I know this from looking at your social media, but what are some of your like big meal prep things, especially so my audience is mainly women and they're not all mothers, but whether you work inside the home, outside the home, meal prep is a lot. What, what are your keys to meal prep that make it an effective method for you and you feel for your clients? It's just a game changer. What are some like really tangible things that someone can start with? Or what you teach people when it comes to meal prep? When it comes to meal prep, I absolutely hated meal prep. I couldn't stand meal prep. I didn't understand why people were doing it. I didn't understand why people were eating. The why same am I food. not surprised? Why am I not surprised? <laughs> so funny, you see? Yes. <laughs> but I didn't, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't like the fact that I had to eat the same thing every day. And then I would go to Pinterest and I would look online and I'd see the recipes with every intention in the world that, yeah, I'm going to make this recipe. I'd go to the blog. I'd be like, oh, this is good. I'd download the whatever I need to download. But like, yeah, it's in my Pinterest board or it stays in my email and I don't do a thing with it because I get too overwhelmed. It's like, it's too much. And when I got to this point where, okay, Verena, meal prep isn't as bad as you think. It takes some time. Yes. And it takes some practice. But what I saw with meal prep, which is another reason why I'm like, now let me break it down so it can be simple so you can actually do it and fit it into your life. The picture that is still out there is, especially now on social media, you see a snippet of a reel. And you're like, oh, that looks so good. But you don't know how that took three hours for them to just to do two meals. And it takes so long. It does take long. But sometimes we have to understand that it's a snippet reel of their life. And that makes sense why you have the same foods seven days in a row, because it's easier just to do the same meals seven days in a row. But if you're somebody who struggles like me, let me change that for you. Do two days, Monday and Tuesday. If you can do a Sunday, absolutely do Sunday. You don't have to. You can do a Monday. Make things that you like that you can enjoy. For example, chicken steak, fish tacos or fajitas. They're super simple. They're quick. You can, if you've got little children, you can get the children involved with you, even from shopping. For example, right, I'm going to give a prize. Everybody will get a prize because we don't want favoritism, but I'm going to give a prize to the person who can bring me back all red ingredients quickly. We're trying to make some chicken tacos. I want something red. 
So that could be tomatoes for the pico de gallo. That could be um, the sweet peppers. That could be, oh, you wouldn't put them in there, but you could put, could put radish in there. It could be anything red, but basically it just makes it fun for them to get involved. And then when they come home, they're ready to get this out and you could put it on a countertop, you could put it on a tray, you could put all the ingredients and it's just a super simple thing that everybody can get involved in and then you can have leftovers for the next day or another day if you don't fancy eating it the same day. Now, what I do, which actually revolutionized my meal prep, was I'm like, I don't like having the same thing seven days in a row. How can I change it? So what I found useful for me was to rotate the meals. So for example... You might have chicken tacos for lunch on Monday. I would have that for dinner on the Tuesday. So I'm not having it for lunch two days in a row or I could have that on the first day. Come Wednesday, I'm now saying, am I going to cook again? Some days I cook, sometimes I order out. Yes, shock horror. Nutrition coaches, we could still eat out. Now, if you're somebody who hasn't got the time, for example, if you have a Chipotle near you, you could order this from Chipotle. You'd have to ask them in terms of when the meats was open for the sell-by dates, etc. Ask them if they can have that. They can give you that information. Ask the manager or whatever because you're trying to freeze it for later. If they can't give you that, then make it fresh. And so at least you know the sell-by dates that you can use. But my point here is you can absolutely get this ordered online for you from Chipotle. If by Wednesday you're like, I don't have the energy to cook, you've got it done for you. So you're having a balance of making meals yourself and getting the kids involved or you're getting someone else to do it, pick somebody else to do it, quite literally. And then you're not having to do this all by yourself because that's the variety and that's what meal prep is about. It's not about we have to do the same thing seven days in a row if you don't like it. If you do, that's great. I don't. I'm Taipei people. My Taipei people know and the stubborn people, we know that we don't like the same thing. We like variety. And it's good. And I think what I learned when I worked outside of the home, I did a lot more prep than I do now. But I think people forget if you let's just make it easy and say you like chicken, broccoli, rice, you can like fry that rice up and put spices in it. You mm-hmm. can make fried rice. You can take the broccoli and you can make teriyaki. So you, I'm assuming when you were healed, you were able to bring that spice back into your life and bring variety. Even if it's the same food, you can bring variety and spice back. And that makes a world of difference. And experimenting with fresh herbs and dried herbs, etc. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Once spice could get into my, my life again, obviously not too much spice, but there are things like pick your protein, pick your carbs, and then pick your seasonings that you're going to have with it beyond the salt and pepper. If you're somebody who likes garlic, you can have garlic. Something I use is minced garlic, fresh minced garlic in a pot, or you could do chop the garlic yourself and freeze that. So when you're ready to make something that has garlic in it, you just take it out the freezer. That could be done for onions, lots of other things. And then you're just putting it into your your meal and then it's good to go. These things save you time. These things are quick to do and save you time. So you're picking your protein, picking your carbohydrate, your complex carb, fans of rice. You could pick quinoa. You could pick rice. You could pick anything. You could pick a wrap. You could pick anything. But proteins, carbohydrates, healthy fats, and that's super simple. Another thing that I like, if you like broccoli, that goes great in an air fryer sheet pan meal. Potatoes, veggies, chicken. You can even, if you can pick up a rotisserie chicken. These are things you, on your way home, if you are doing something that you already do on your way home, pick up a rotisserie chicken. You've already got the, the veggies prepared or whatever, and then just put them in, add your seasons in, and then that can feed three or four, depending on your family and depending on the rotisserie chicken size. It's just super simple in an air fryer and that's done. Or in the oven, if you haven't got an air fryer, don't worry, don't feel like you have to go and get one today. <laughs> but the oven works just as fine. Put parchment paper on a tray and then put the ingredients on 
Don't be afraid. Be generous with the ingredients. It will taste good, believe me. Pre-marinating your, your proteins and your meats the night before when you can. That helps just make the flavor just mm, taste good. Also, which is what I do, cook once and eat twice. But this is more a strategy than a meal prep plan. No, but it, it goes along. It, it really does go along because if you're thinking like I'm prepping ahead, so that way I'm not cooking. I think when people think meal prep, they think, okay, even if I'm doing Monday through Friday, three meals a day, that's 15 different meal ideas yeah. I have to come out with. And what you're saying is, well, no, because I f- say I'm going to have the same breakfast on Monday and Wednesday and then Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe I'll do something fun. And then, OK, I'm going to have the same thing. I'm going to have this for lunch. So it ends up being I'd have to do the math, but you're not doing you're not planning for 15 different types of meals. But you, and, and again, you can do different spices and different things to like make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And so I just want to give you a moment to say, yeah, who you are, where people can find you and what you offer for clients. So my name is Verona. Thank you so much for listening to me today. Uh, You can find me on Instagram, Lose Weight with Verona. My name was previously Lose Weight with Macros, but, you know, Lose Weight with Verona will do. And the podcast is Lose Weight with Meal Planning. And basically, I help busy entrepreneurs and women, and that includes mums and mums and not mums. I'm not a mom. Women basically who struggle with meal prep. When it comes to not knowing where to eat, not knowing what to eat, not knowing where to start, not knowing what to do, I hope it makes sense for you in your reality. Just like Holly said, sometimes meal prep can be the perception we've got to have the same meals every single day. We've got to have 15 meals in eight hours on a Sunday just because Bob over there has done it and that's what Bob's telling us to do. And Bob doesn't have children like you. He doesn't live our lives. So, or she doesn't live our lives. And so it's not that. It's just making it simple in your life. As I've just explained, and I explained a lot, but it is super simple and it's making it about your life. If you can do one day a week, we do one day a week. If you do breakfast, we do breakfast. Starting off small, once you've got that, then we add in everything else. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun with you today and you have a wonderful story. You really do. You've made me laugh today. You've made me like really think today. I just want to say too that your Instagram content is wonderful. It's really fun. I love watching like what you cook, what you meal prep with. Again, I know that's such a snippet of your life, but it's still really fun to watch. All right. Well, thank you, Verona, again, for being here. And I hope we stay connected because um, I've had a wonderful time with you. So have a great rest of your day too. And thank you again for, for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening in today. And I hope you'll be back. Stay curious, stay humble, and always lead with empathy. Please also take a moment to share this episode with someone, this podcast, write a review or comment on my latest Instagram post at Holly Logan underscore help. Thank you. Have an awesome day.